0: See you here. Let me just uh, reiterate one thing that you just heard on NC News, and that is the growth track starts today, uh, Church 101. I just want to encourage anyone who has not been through the four-week growth track to attend today. If you're wondering about your kids, don't worry about them. They'll just stay in the kids' ministry. They'll feed them a snack and take care of them, and everything will be great, and you'll be out for the second service at the end of the second service. So just want to encourage you to do that. If you want to know about Northwood, how to get involved, what's going on, it's going to cover all that for you, and you'll be glad you did when it's said and done. So we're excited about what's coming up, Red Letter Day, next week starting a brand new series. So we've got this one Sunday in between these two series. And uh, I just wanted to kind of give you a standalone message all by itself. Uh, It's gonna be a straightforward, quick-moving message, so you're gonna have to stick with me, okay? I've got 29 minutes and 21 seconds. Are you ready? It may be one of the most powerful messages that you've ever heard. It may affect you for the rest of your life and even into eternity. And everybody needs to get this one. Okay, you need to get it. Say, "I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it." So, uh, you know, how many of you, when you were growing up, you you saw or you experienced the? the uh, a bully in your school I mean you you just saw somebody just right you saw somebody was a bully and 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 we all had it then we had one most time bullies are real big people who push their weight around but we had a little bitty bully smart little guy came down from Massachusetts wanted to boss all of the Cajuns around and he did for a couple weeks till finally one day I just slammed him on the ground you know, and that took care of that bully. He shut up for the rest of the time and we were best of friends. Now, I was a puny little peep squeak. And so I would not suggest that you do that. So don't go to school tomorrow and throw somebody down on the ground. But it worked back 60 years ago or whenever that was. I mean, 40 years ago or whenever, a long time ago. That shut him up. You know, they didn't need psychological training. just need to pounce down on him one time. And then he was your friend. And so uh, school bullying is a big thing going on right now. It's not really what I'm gonna talk about, but I'm gonna give you five characteristics real quick of, of that uh, specifically characterize uh, a, a bully. Uh, number one, it's an intentional, it's an intention to harm. An intention to harm suggests that the harm caused by bullying is deliberate, not accidental. Keep that in mind. By the way, I'm not preaching on school bullying, okay? I'm preaching on kill the bully. I want to kill the bully, all right? Uh, Victimization distress is another uh, school bullying. uh, It can be specifically characterized by victimization distress. Bullying causes the victim to suffer mild to severe psychological, social, or physical trauma. Number three, repetition. Bullying is persistent. It happens more than once or has the potential to occur multiple times. Number four, it's a power inequity. The definitions of bullying often state that bullying includes a real or perceived imbalance of power between the bully and the victim. And number five, provocation. Bullying is proposed to be a part of progressive aggression motivated by perceived benefits of their aggressive behavior or the bully think he's going to get something out of it. Now those are just five characteristics and I'm astonished as I studied that and I just went on, on, online and just looked at some characteristics of bullying that that's exactly how our bully, the devil, Satan operates in our life, it's identical. Now let me say this about Satan, he's real, he has power, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but he also wants to destroy your life and he wants to mess with you every day of your life and people who do not understand how the devil works are constantly defeated every day of their life. You understand that? This is real now. You may not understand it all, but that's all right. You will in, 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 in the end, you'll see what's going on. So we have to define the bully. We have to find, you know, what is it, what is it like? So we're gonna be in the book of Ephesians chapter six, uh, most of the time, we'll refer to some other scriptures. But in the sixth verse it says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. They're in heaven, they're on earth, they're in the heavenly places, they're on earth, these powers. And, and, and the thing about Satan, you need to understand that he is a spirit being. He is a created spirit being. His name was Lucifer. He was created by Jesus. He is not God. He is not God. He cannot be everywhere at the same place, and he is not almighty, but he is a spirit being. He fell with one-third of the angels from heaven. Jesus kicked him out of heaven when there was rebellion there. So he is a spirit being. Not only that, he has power. Now, I don't like to give the devil a lot of pulpit time, but I just felt that it had to be spoken to, to the people because there's so much defeat in the church. He has power. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. The Apostle Paul teaches Satan, who is the God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So he has power. He has power to blind people's minds. He has power to oppress people. Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed or dominated by the devil. The devil loves to dominate people mentally, physically, and spiritually, he wants to dominate people. He has the power to deceive. He deceived Adam and Eve and he's able to deceive those who are vulnerable, those who are not covered, those who are not in, in track with Jesus, he can, even those who are sometimes. He has power. He is very, very subtle. He's very clever, which means that he uses indirect methods to achieve his goals. He doesn't come many, most of the time, straight on, boom. He is not in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork, and he is not the king of hell. He's clever. He slides around the side, he comes in the form of different things. In the garden, it was a snake. He is a liar. Jesus called him a liar. Not only, he called him the father of lies. Everything he ever says is a lie, even if it seems to be the truth. He has a plan for your life. Every one of you, listen to me. Satan has a plan for your life. Jesus put it this way in John 10:10. 10, 10. He said, The thief, the devil, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his plan. Kill you kill your family, destroy everything you have, rob everything that you have, destroy your reputation and everything that you ever hope to have in this life and the life to come. He is the destroyer. He is the devil. He is the great deceiver. So he has power. That's just kind of explaining who our bully is. Not only that, we got gonna have to expose him and how he works. You ready to do that? In Ephesians 6 verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. All the strategies of the devil, all the distortion of the devil, because he distorts things. That's why you need discernment and you need wisdom. And by the way, you can't fight the devil with a gun or a knife or psychology. It's inadequate. So men, I know you got your alarms and your guns and your shotguns and your karate and all your self-defense mechanisms in case some bully comes in the front door of your house. You need to use that. But I tell you, when the devil comes in the front door, he's just gonna laugh at your gun and your self-defense artists. He's gonna walk right through that and bust you one right up in the chops, unless you know what to do, unless you can discern what's happening. The bully strategies, I'm gonna give you three of them. The amazing thing is they're all identical. It started in the Garden of Eden. He comes to Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, 5. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. God had told them, don't eat of that tree right there. Eat of all the rest. That's the tree you don't wanna eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the devil comes, he said, God knows, he's talking to Eve, he said, God knows this. He knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. You'll know both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took, she ate of the fruit Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. The devil appeals to senses. He appeals to pride. He appeals to ego, and he appeals to sensual desires that are inherent inside of every individual, you, me, and all of us. And then he comes to Jesus. Now, he did a lot of other things. He comes to Jesus. Jesus is fasting 40 days. He's baptized in water. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He's moved into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. He's in this horrible uh, atmosphere, and Satan himself comes to Jesus, and this is what he tells him. He says, if you are the Son of God, there's the distortion again. He knew he was the Son of God. Then uh, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He said, you're hungry, you've been fasted 40 days, you're hungry, sensual desires, pleasure, appetites turned these stones into into bread and Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and he said, if you are the son of God, distortion, jump off. The scripture says, jump off. Don't worry, the angels are gonna catch you. Your ego, don't worry, you'll be famous. You'll jump off, angels will catch you, and you don't have to worry about anything, man, you're gonna be one famous dude. And Jesus says, the scripture also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, I'm gonna give you all of these, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He appealed to the ego, to the pride of Jesus. You'll have all of this. You'll be, the, you'll be the God of this world, basically. Jesus said the scriptures say differently. Then the devil went away. You want to know how to run the devil away? You have to have the word of God in you. And you have to stand upon the word. And then the angels came and took care of him. Heaven's supply is wonderful. And then the third group of people we wanna talk about is us. Us, because in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible teaches us, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This world, lust and sensual pleasure and sensual desires is what it offers us and that makes no points with God. And the same thing that Eve was tempted with, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is the same thing that Jesus was tempted with, is the same thing you are tempted with every day of your life. And the structures and the principles of this world aid that. It embellishes that. You see, Satan uses things of this world to manipulate people. And that's why we have to break the code. In World War II, Germany, England and America and I'm sure other allies, spent an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of energy and resources to break the communication codes that had been encrypted by their enemies. Because we knew and they knew that if you can break the code, if you can find out the communications, you can know their strategies and you can build a defense against them and ultimately you will defeat them because you will know everything they know. And I think it's time for us to break the code of the devil and how he operates in your life every day to where you can get the victory. It's only then, only when you break this code, only when you kill this bully, only when you stand up in the power of Christ that you will ever gain real victory. Real victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, so that Satan will not outsmart us For we are familiar with his evil schemes or his purposes. We are not ignorant of that. We need to be familiar with how he works. We just showed you the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But now we have to defeat the bully. We have to defeat him in the sixth chapter, the 13th verse. The Bible continues. And I want to read it to you out of the message paraphrase, which is a paraphrase of the interpretation of the Bible says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. I'd already taught you that by yourself, no victory. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. These weapons, these instruments are essential. They're not optional. They're not like a tape deck in the car or now a CD player or now Bluetooth. You can go everywhere without Bluetooth or air conditioning. Those are options, but this is not optional. You can go nowhere without this. Folks, let me tell you something. Christians' heads are rolling every day in the spirit because the devil's just taking them out. The bully's just bullying up on them. You know what's sad? Everything can be going your way and you can be bullied every day. Everything can be sweet and shiny and you can be bullied every day. So what about these weapons? What about these essential things that we need to use? The first he says is truth. Well, Jesus said this in John chapter eight. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can't just say, I got truth, I got truth. You gotta know truth. Meaning you have got to absolutely be resolved in what you know. I mean, you gotta know that you know that you know. It's gotta be a big deal. It's not just a mental thing, man. It is a thing up inside of you that you know beyond a shadow. Because truth always exposes lies. Real truth always rejects lies all the time. And truth establishes you in freedom every day. That's why when people get truthful with God and light is shed on their dark place, the devil must flee and they are free. Did you hear what I said? When you bring it to the light, major things begin to happen. And next thing you know, there's full freedom. Truth liberates us. When he says you're free, it means you will be exempt from the liability of immorality. Come on now. To be exempt, to be free. Man, there's nothing like being completely free. Jesus said this. He said, the God of this world, Satan, the prince of this world is coming, but he will find nothing in me. Can you tell the devil that? You need to be able to tell the devil that. Come on, you're going to find nothing in me. In other words, I'm not lying, cheating, stealing. I'm not walking on the gray area. I'm not even walking in 50 shades of gray. I'm nowhere around gray. I'm black or white. And when you live that way, life gets simple. Oh, life gets simple. Let me tell you something. Then he says, you know what, you need to have righteousness. We just sang that. Jesus is all of our righteousness. 2 Corinthians five twenty one: for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become all that God requires of a man in Christ Jesus because he fulfilled all of the law and he was perfectly obedient to the Father in everything. And when we are found in him, we are the righteousness of God in him. It means that I'm in right standing with God. Come on, folks, are you in right standing with God? If the devil comes to you and accuses you of not being in right standing with God, can you stand up in Christ boldly and proclaim, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You need to be able to say that. That's not pride, that's truth. Being righteous is truth. It means that I'm unified with Christ. I have an ally. His name is Jesus and he is for me. He's my ally. He broke the code. I can break the code. Righteousness means that I'm backed by heaven and all of its resources. Everything from intercession to angelic beings. God's given me everything I'm going to need to be fully victorious in this life, bar none, I will have everything and so will you. Everything, everything, nothing will be kept back from you to be victorious in Christ, to be a trophy on the wall of God. Nothing, nothing to defeat this bully. Intercession to angels. He says, you know what else you need? You've got to have peace. Peace is essential. Man, look, in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul teaches us, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Everything's in Christ Jesus. (coughs) Everything. Peace in trouble. Peace in trouble. Listen to me, this Wednesday night, I'm challenging every one of you to be in this room. I'm gonna share a message about the gospel that you absolutely have got to hear. I'm just challenging you to be in here. Give God an hour and a half Wednesday night to come hear about this gospel and how it operates and how we're supposed to respond to it. He said it will guard your heart. Peace in trouble, not from trouble, in trouble not from trouble, but in trouble. Peace is your firm foundation. Peace is what keeps us when the storms blow. Plans and purposes from God keeps us focused. I will not die until God is finished with me. Because he has a purpose, a purpose and a plan for me. His purpose and plan is not to kill, steal, and destroy. It's to give me abundant life. And that doesn't just talk about money, folks. That's what I'm talking about Wednesday night. Get ready, get ready, get ready. (laughs) It's talking about, I have Christ, and so I have peace. And so because of that, I lay all my cares upon him because he cares for me, because he cares. The gospel of peace, this good news gives us peace when we believe it and live it seriously not when we give it some little lip service, but when we're all in, all in with this peace. Faith comes next. Translation of Ephesians 6 says faith is like a shield. Faith, it is impossible to please God without faith, Hebrew says. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so faith is this thing that takes the blows from the bully. Faith is the thing that steps in between you. When I was young, this guy was bullying me outside of this little club one night, pushing me all around in the gravel. He was going to tear me up. And just about the time that he was going to reach down and just really dance around with me real good, my older brother stepped in and said, you want some of this? (laughs) One of the best days of my life. (laughs) <laughs> I got up out of that white shell, backed on off. I mean, I was just, I was so pitiful. A little bit, weighed about 100 pounds. <clears throat> faith makes you whole spiritually, mentally, and physically. Everything you receive from God is by faith, and you receive nothing from God without faith. All of the protection, all of the power, all of the victories, comes from God, as you release faith in him. Jesus said to this man, let it be done according to your faith. Jesus said to this man, go home, your daughters heal your faith. Faith, 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 your, your faith healed you. Woman with the issue of blood. This woman, that woman, this kid, that woman. Healed, delivered by faith. Faith is a wonderful thing. It's a shield that covers us. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith cuts a track for you, a path in this life. It shows you things. And then there's this wonderful salvation. These are all the weapons that are afforded to people that you have to take and you have to become aggressive and offensive. You have to move forward. This great salvation, in one place it calls it a helmet of salvation. Did you know that we need to have our head protected, our minds need to be protected? Our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be strengthened. We have to develop the mind of Christ so that we can think like Christ and live like Christ and war like Christ. Isaiah 26, verse three says this. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who do what? All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Fixed on Jesus, fixed on the kingdom, keeping your head in the game, so to speak, because the battlefield that you're in is the battlefield of your mind, and you know quite well, you're just doing fine all of a sudden, and then all of of a sudden, just a thought just intersects your life, (laughs) like getting broadsided at a four-way stop sign, man. Out of nowhere, bam, this thought comes, and there's warfare. And you have to have your mind protected. When people die, you get the thought you're going to die. When people get diagnosed with bad disease, you think you're going to get bad disease. If you're very materialistic, when you see the stock market doing certain things or whatever, or this or that, and you hear about that, all of a sudden you're shaken by that. We have to have the mind of Christ. Paul said we're not to be soon shaken in our minds. He said... The devil can shake you in your mind. Evil people can shake your mind, and when your mind is shaken, when you're rattled up here, everything else rattles. You keep the remembrance of what God has done, who he is, and how great he is. That's how you live. He's good, and he rewards his people, and he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us, and we never have to be ashamed of this great gospel of salvation. We're not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. He is our banner, he's our shield, he's our buckler. He's our man of war, the Bible says. This is how we fight the devil. This is how we kill the bully in our life. But the sad thing is this, and I can just be quite honest with you. There are so many people who are so apathetic when it comes to this, that they just roll the dice that life will turn out okay. They just roll the dice that their kids are gonna serve God. Just roll the dice that somehow or another it's all gonna work out with some kind of worldly (laughs) convincing of their minds that this isn't real and we don't live in a spiritual kingdom but we do, we do live in a spiritual kingdom and there's a spirit behind everything. You wanna know why people go bad in public life and why people go bad in business and why people go bad in all these different areas? Because they give in to what we just taught, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, I. I want it, I gotta have, it. and the pride of my life. If you can defeat those three things you will be able to stand firm and say, there's nothing in me. And by the way, if there's any little thing in me, Jesus is taking care of it. You want to know how, how not to worry about the police coming to your house? You want to know how not to worry about this happening to you, that happening to you? Don't do things wrong. <laughs> don't lie. You'll never be caught in a lie. Don't steal. You'll never be accused of stealing. You'll, you know, don't, don't steal. Don't be violent. You won't be in jail for... Abuse. Live holy. Don't have to worry about pornography on the internet. Just live holy. Let me finish this up. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. This is our takeaway for today. You say, well, what what can I do? Well, this is what you want to do. Number one, and I know what some of you may be thinking if you're studious, you're saying, the takeaways are like the same almost every week. Yep. God's Word. He said it's an indispensable weapon. It's not just a love letter from Jesus to you. It's not just a manual to navigate the the treacherous things of this life. The Word of God is powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces between the bone and the marrow and it's a discernment of everything. All of us, my soul, my spirit, my thoughts, it tests everything. And it also exposes the enemy to where he's like a bird on a wire and I got a 12 gauge. (laughs) He's coming down, going in the pot if you're a Cajun. God's word. God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And you have no word, you're walking in darkness. And you're going to stumble. And all the devil's gotta do is put a pebble in front of you. Some people stumble over the smallest things, God's word. Next is prayer. You lay everything on Jesus. I don't know what your posture of prayer is. We don't wanna get into all of that. But you must go to God in prayer and give to him the things that you cannot defend the things that you cannot win, the battles you cannot win. You give those things to Jesus. I don't understand, Lord. I can't figure it out. I don't know which way to go. Lord, take this. This is insurmountable. The problem is too big. The battle's too large. Jesus, would you take this? Prayer, worship, Man, if you, once you understand the warfare in worship, you'll just worship, oh, you'll worship. Because the devil, the bully, he sticks his chest out on me on Sunday morning or whenever. and when worship comes, it's like, "Poop," and that's it. Jesus is enough for me. And you know what the devil says? He ain't enough for you. Jesus is enough for me. When Jesus is not enough for the church, the church is dead When Jesus is not enough for you, you're caught in sensuality. Jesus has to be enough. God's word and his spirit. And third, you need the family of God. Listen to me, you need other people. When they pray for you and they lift you up it might be a, just a hug it might be just a pat on the back and say you're going to make it you'd be surprised all it takes sometimes just the smallest thing to say i'm with you man and i know what you're going through Sometimes when you're deep deep in a battle you just need to hear the voice of a friend in the foxhole next to you sometimes just that you know you're not alone doesn't have to be some big theological teaching or a thesis on, the, on the, the origin of God. It just needs to be, hey, man, I'm with you. I know it's tough right now, but hey, we're gonna be all right, you're gonna be all right. I'm standing with you. Three simple things that are colossal. The Word of God, prayer, and the family of God will help you kill the bully in your life. Let's bow our heads together right now. Thank you, Father, for revealing to us how to win. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, paying the price and paving the way to eternity. Lord, we just commit ourselves right now. Come on, if you're a church person right now, commit yourself to opening up your eyes and breaking the code of the enemy through truth and righteousness and peace. Come on now through faith and salvation, with the word of God and prayer and people. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you honor, Lord, for protecting us and helping us to win in this battle. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just wanna help you who maybe are not committed to Jesus Maybe some of you have never committed to him or you, maybe you have, but you know it's just, you, you know there's nothing there, you're empty inside. This is a time where we offer you Jesus. That's all I have is Christ, but Christ is enough. Sin dominates us. We must get sin out of the way. And the way we do that is forgiveness from Jesus when we receive everything that he's done for us on the cross. It's not a mental ascent, it's not just thinking about it, it's a heart attitude, opening up your heart. If you're in this place right now and you say, Pastor Van, my heart is not open to God, but I'm here right now, this is it, my day is right now. I'm ready to commit fully to him, to surrender to the Lord and to serve him the best way I know how, I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Is that you, by by the heads of bowed, just shoot your hand up real quick. Somebody in this room, there you go. Thank you, thank you. Come on, just shoot it up. Just don't be afraid. Jesus loves you. There you go. Thank you, ma'am, yes. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Come on, you're you're just surrendering to God. Thank you over here. Thank you to my right so much. You're surrendering to God. Anybody else before I pray? I want you to shoot your hand up if you haven't. Just put it up. Just say, I'm getting in on Jesus. I need him. Right now, Lord. Thank you for these that raised their hand. Thank you for loving them and caring about them. Thank you for delivering them today, Father. Now, as I pray, you who raised your hands, I want you to pray with me. Come on now. This is where you begin right now. You're not going to be passive any longer right now. Just say these words, just say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Come on, you're just in that. Just thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming to live inside of me, making me a new person. That's right, thank you for that. Lord, I'm gonna serve you for the rest of my life. Come on, commit to that, just right out of your mouth. I love you, Lord. I'm gonna serve you. I'm on your side. I thank you for helping me right now, changing my nature, making me a new person. I commit my life to you right now tell him right now this day right now march 1st is the day i commit to you and i thank you for loving me and receiving me into your kingdom in jesus name amen and amen come on let's give the lord a hand clap
1: the decision to follow christ is just the beginning of your relationship with god so we'd love to help you with your next steps if you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van De Cody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation, or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.